Hi, this is Dave Summers, and welcome to AMA Edgewise. Crystal Kadakia is a founder of Invadi Consulting. Uh, her expertise is in driving the connection between millennial behavior to the design of engaging, productive, modern workplaces. And she's actually spoken twice uh, at TEDx. You might want to check out the videos featuring her. She's also a Power 30 Under 30 Award recipient. Her consulting clients and keynote speaking audiences have included corporations, conferences, and universities such as UPS, Wells Fargo, FedEx, ATD, SHRM, Monster.com, the General Dynamic Electric Boat Division, and University of the Pacific. Crystal, welcome to AMA Edgewise. Thanks so much. I'm so excited to be here. Obviously, you are qualified to talk on the subject of and have deep expertise in the subject of millennials because I hate to, I think I'm going to be blowing the whistle on you. You're actually one. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm, I'm outing you here. You're one yourself. Are you not? Yeah, I am. Yeah. It's a fun thing to be a millennial in this past decade. <laughs> we did a interview. I forget who it was. It was maybe two weeks ago with someone, but the point she made at the end of a question I had about millennials was, she goes, Dave, you know, millennials are getting older. You know that, right? And I was like, okay, <laughs> fine. I can be taught. So I'm curious, this book, uh, The Millennial Myth, who's the targeted audience for this book? Who's the primary audience for this book? Yeah, so I'd spent the last five years doing a lot of speaking. You heard about Envati Consulting a moment ago. So I do a lot of speaking and training and consulting around this topic of millennials and really about what can millennial behavior tell us when it comes to working in a digital world. So the millennial myth, which just came out, it's written primarily for leaders from the C-suite down to managers of millennials who want to understand millennial behavior better and who play a role in strategically shaping the culture of the modern workplace. And the key here is that understanding millennials, it, it's not really just for millennials' sake or for generational diversity and inclusion sake, but it's to help us understand modern talent. That's mm-hmm everybody who digital is influenced, which is is really everybody. (laughs) And by understanding millennials, we understand future generations as well. And so I would say it's also a good read for millennials who want to understand why older generations may hold some of the negative perceptions. Mm -hmm. And then millennials can get some ideas on what to do about it as well. Because it's kind of the primary audience. Had a lot of really great responses and reviews from folks in HR, folks in talent management, mm-hmm. but also folks in marketing mm-hmm. and the C-suite leaders who are really understanding that, wow, you know, understanding our talent today is, is important because we're seeing these turnover figures and, and we really need to get a handle on this issue. Why do you think there's such a big, I'll call it a generational disconnect on work styles, on communication preferences? And on motivational triggers. We have like, I guess, like four generations at work on the job right now. Yeah, that's right. And about to be five as uh, Generation Z graduates. So, you know, just just for reference, millennials today are aged between, depending on your birth date range, but somewhere between 20 and 35. And Gen Z, as they graduate, they'll be joining the workforce as, as well. So in terms of why there's such a big generational disconnect, you know, every generation has complained about the youngest generation. The difference is that we've never experienced the rate of innovation that we're experiencing now in in the past three decades. And, I mean, you can imagine when 
the telephone was invented, for example, there was definitely somebody's grandmother complaining. (laughs) (laughs) Kids, why are you using that weird black box thing on the wall to call in your neighbor? Why why don't you, you know, you're being lazy. You should just go and walk the mile (laughs) and physically call on your neighbor because that's what it used to actually meant to call somebody. So there was definitely someone complaining about the new kids on the block as these major innovations took place, but we've never had this amount of change between generations. And what I'll say is it's true in the U.S., but it's certainly true around the globe, maybe even more true in developing countries where the pace of innovation and kind of catching up to developed nations is just exponential. It's just such a big difference between, say, somebody's grandparents and the youngest kids in those countries. So it's definitely unprecedented. It's a it's a new challenge to deal with. And and as you mentioned, we've got, you know, four almost five generations in the workplace today trying to deal with that gap in, in innovation, which which really influences our work styles, our communication preferences and motivational triggers, what we want out of life. I mean, you name it, it really influences each part of our, our values and our beliefs. Oh, much is made of the workplace cultures of, of the, you know, the firms and organizations that attract the brightest spotlights these days, your Facebooks, you know, Google or Alphabet or, or whatever. But can you give us an example of a non-high-tech organization that's getting this type of, you know, thinking right? Yeah, that's a really good question. My definition of right <laughs> is is companies that are really open to experimenting with new ways of working in this digital world. They recognize that, hey, maybe the way we've been doing things doesn't necessarily work, and we need to be okay with some failure and experimentation around it. So some examples would be Abbott, for example, Abbott Labs, who they've for a very long time had really great programs for talent development. They've always had a value around lifelong learning and employee development. But as we enter this digital age, they have this continuous improvement mindset. They're always looking at how can we evolve our topics and the ways in which we deliver training, the ways in which we coach, the ways in which we mentor folks. How do we change that for what's needed today? Another good example would be NCR. The easiest way to describe them is they make a lot of the ATMs and cash registers in the world, really financial transactions. They're really doing a lot of extensive research into what engages their millennials and how to transition their business as a whole into the digital age. And part of what they're doing is environmental, making sure their buildings are located in the right places with a lot of thought going into workplace design. Given that so much of our work is online today, when you think about those offline environments, what's the purpose of those offline environments? How can we use them in a way that generates productivity and engagement. What might that look like? And so it's relatively easy, I would say, to find smaller organizations that are doing it right or, you know, quote unquote, or getting that mindset right, because a lot of them can experiment with flatter structures and different performance management systems and so on. I would say it's a lot tougher to find large companies that are getting it right. And the key is really starting with the leadership. How open is the leadership to abandoning the way that things have always been done in order to push the boundaries and push the envelope and maybe be okay with piloting different structures, seeing how it lands, seeing if it gets different results. So it's really about having that courageous leadership, especially in some of these larger companies who've been around for a very long time. So there you're talking about culture change or culture shift or something like that. 
Absolutely. And, and for a lot of those folks, it's, you know, what gave you success in the past is what you're automatically going to lean on to drive success in the future. But with the way things have changed in the last three decades, it's kind of a faulty assumption. Mm-hmm. And there's people, I think, you know, from a leadership standpoint that are, we've all known those leaders who are sort of the dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're really stuck in the, well, we've always done it this way. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Sure. And that's sort of a, a recipe for, for doom. You know, you're, you're always going to want to be the Netflix, not the blockbuster. And that takes a, a much more experimental way of thinking and the courage to push the boundaries on what does success look like today and how do we get there? I'm going to kind of return with a question that's related to some of my opening thoughts on this type of stuff. What's your response to those, uh, quote, old schoolers, uh, unquote, who say things like, well, they'll, meaning the millennials, they'll, they'll grow up someday. Yeah, I, I think it absolutely goes back to your opening remarks on your, your previous interview where the interview had mentioned, you know, well, you know millennials are aging, right? So, yeah, I, I would say I tell them millennials are already grown up. And, frankly, this is one of the biggest problems we have with the war between generations. Many older individuals recognize that they raised the millennials. And they end up using that as their explanation for every single millennial behavior that they don't like. Well, we raised them, though. You know we raised them. (laughs) But the issue is, instead of recognizing and treating millennials as adults and employees who have a job to do, these older individuals perpetuate managerial styles that mimic parenting. And to no surprise, they get suboptimal results. Mm -hmm. Treating millennials like adults doesn't mean trying to show them what the real world looks like. Again, that's, that's falling into parenting mode. Your job as a leader and a manager is to, number one, respect individuals, connect their job to the mission of the organization, and provide guidance that's going to then unleash performance. So, for example, a common complaint I hear is, well, you know, these kids today, these millennial employees, they just want a pat on the back. They need all this frequent feedback. It's a complete misconception. The idea of frequent feedback from a millennial perspective is more about course correction and it being a necessary part of being agile in a world that is fast-paced, which is, which is oh, by the way, the world the millennials grew up in. Mm-hmm. So it's just a different lens. And the more that we think about, oh, these millennials aren't grown up yet, you're trying to treat somebody like a a child. And and frankly, that's a little bit demeaning. Mm -hmm. It doesn't get you the results you actually want. And it's not the right explanation for the behavior you're seeing. It's not just about parenting styles that influence millennial behavior. It's not just about the schools they went to. It's about technology and how digital has changed the way we work and live, regardless of generation. Uh, talk to us about what you mean when you say the term respect redefined. So this is uh, definitely referring to some of the things that I, I talk about in, in the book. And in the book, I'm really focused on taking five of the biggest millennial myths and transforming them into digitally informed behavior. And so one of the myths about millennials is that there is an issue with hierarchy, where we tend to treat everybody like a friend. Like, okay, I can go just knock on this leader's door, no problem, 
I feel totally comfortable talking to them as I would talk to my neighbor or my, my pal down the block. You know, something I do when I talk about these myths is talk about it from the traditional perspective and the modern perspective. So from the traditional perspective, that type of behavior looks weird. <laughs> it looks all, you know, like disrespect, in fact. Like, okay, you're not necessarily respecting somebody for the position they hold. You think you can just walk in there and ask whatever you want to ask. From the modern lens, for millennials, they're actually more influenced by the internet than you can imagine. Because they grew up in this time of the internet, it didn't matter what your age was, your gender was, what you looked like. You could create an anonymous identity on the internet and just contribute. And that's really what mattered is the contribution. And if it was good, you got followers. Also, because of the internet, we got a lot of insight into leaders. We had more media than ever telling us what's going on behind closed doors. And a lot of what we heard was was not necessarily good stuff, right? I mean, we, these are folks who saw their parents' benefits getting reduced. They saw things like the Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky scandal. They saw Enron. They saw the housing bubble and tons of information available about it online. So we were a lot more informed about these sort of things. So the idea of just respecting someone from a hierarchical perspective just doesn't necessarily lead as a conclusion when you've grown up in this type of environment. So because of this, millennials are kind of redefining respect. They're less likely to care about macro characteristics such as age, gender, ethnicity, so on, but they're going to care more about micro characteristics. What do you really bring to the table? What are your personal strengths and weaknesses? What's your personal viewpoint? What's your personal philosophy? How do you treat people? Those are the things that really count from a millennial perspective. And, and there's certainly more factors that we talk about that contribute to this behavior in the book. It's, it's a pretty deep, multi-layer discussion, but kind of gives you a high-level idea of how millennials are really shifting the viewpoint on some of these very traditionally defined behaviors. Okay, and just as a wrap-up question, Crystal, what if someone wanted to get started, if a leader wanted to get started with this type of thinking right away, like today, like as soon as they get done listening to this podcast, what are, what are maybe three things that they could do to address these issues? This is all about mindset. <laughs> mindset, mindset, mindset. I can't, I can't say that enough. The first trick in your mindset, and I, I hope everyone starts to feel this way just after these, these few minutes, but the first is to acknowledge that generally we tend to hold a biased, stereotyped view of millennials. It's not really anybody's fault. We have more media today than we had about any generation before. We have social media, we have blogs, we have podcasts, right? We have videos, newspaper, everything you can imagine. And there's a ton of information out there about millennials. But like media in general, what tends to capture people's attention is the negative sensationalized stuff. And so at the end of the day, we tend to have a biased stereotype view. The second we acknowledge that, we can start to step back. And when we step back, what we find is, is a second key part of the mindset, which there's a deeper underlying problem. And that deeper problem is that the corporate world is really lagging behind society when it comes to adapting to a digital world. Millennials are kind of a symptom. They're a scapegoat in this world. Things we don't like about digital, we tend to blame millennials instead of taking on this challenge head on. And then the third thing is to really start questioning and becoming 
just curious about millennial behavior and understanding, well, let's not jump to your intention right away and, and think you're entitled or lazy or whatever. Let's pause and let me ask you, well, hey, what, where are you coming from? You know, here's the behavior I'm seeing. Help me understand this. And use that as an opportunity to figure out what we should change in our cultures, what we may need to bring forward from previous generations, and, and really answer, start answering this question, what creates productivity and engagement in this digital world? So just to recap, the first thing would be to acknowledge this generally biased view the second would realize there's a much bigger problem here, and that's we need to figure out digital and, and what that means for our workplace. And then the third is really to start having a curious viewpoint. So as I often say, just stop complaining, <laughs> start modernizing. The millennials could be the problem, but only if, if you choose to look at them that way. They could, in fact, if you're willing to sign up for this, they could be a part of the solution. And that's a lot of what I want folks to get out of the millennial myth. Thank you, Crystal Kadakia, author of The Millennial Myth, Transforming Misunderstanding into Workplace Breakthroughs, and that's published by Barrett Kohler. Crystal, this is interesting stuff. Best of luck with the book. Thank you so much. AMA webcasts bring you 60 minutes of thought-provoking insights and conversations with renowned thought leaders. And best of all, they're free. For a complete schedule of upcoming webcasts, visit the events calendar at amanet.org forward slash events. take feedback very seriously here at the AMA. If you get a minute, you have some thoughts about this program or additional questions, just send an email to us at podcasts at amanet.org.